Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Metaverticizing Podcast, your podcast about metaverse, marketing, advertising, and related trends in the tech world. I'm your host, Eli Santos, and this podcast is all about exploring the metaverse and its possibilities with people that are at the core of its development. And of course, how marketing is going to be related with everything. And today, I'm very excited to welcome Justin Payton. Justin, say hi to everyone. Hello, everyone. Thank you for being here with us today, Justin. Uh, so guys, Justin is the Chief Strategy and Transformation Officer for Wonderman Thompson in APAC. He's helping brands and marketers to better leverage the technologies of today and tomorrow to deliver against both customer and business goals. Beyond this, Justin is the founder of Brand Next, a newsletter and podcasting platform about the potential of Web3 and metaverse technologies. So Justin, Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and your background. We love to hear it. Well, thanks for so much, first of all, for having me. Um, it, it's interesting to be uh, on the other side of a podcast for once, which which is kind of fun. Um, but but look, my my background is uh, is is one which is which where I couldn't say no to to a podcast like yours called Metabvertising, right? Because it's hard to say. Um, <laughs> because because uh, because ultimately I work for and, and have worked within um, the, the marketing and advertising industry for for the bulk of my career. Um, in, in that sense, you know, I have worked on the agency side, helping clients to look at what their marketing strategy should be, helping clients to think about how they connect with consumers, helping clients to think about what's next for their consumer, for their brand, and how they really um, satisfy those needs. I came into the business not through the traditional kind of communication lens, but through the, the technology design and build side. So really looking at customer experience. And that's that's always been what I've believed in. I've always believed that, that marketing can be a really active verb that it gives us the opportunity not just to, to say what a brand is about but to, to really connect with people in a way where we can uh, provide a better service uh, deliver a better action um, enable them to to achieve a goal because ultimately i genuinely believe that the, the role of a brand is in helping people to shape a decision helping to form the types of memories that influence those decisions and we form memories better when um, there is an action involved than when someone tells us something. We talk about stories a lot. Stories are fantastic. Stories are a great thing that people remember. They remember what they do even more than they remember a story. Definitely. And um, I, I, I think I couldn't have put it, uh, you know, better that the importance of like brands participating of the metaverse you know and and not just telling stories as you said but also like actively you know uh helping people let's say i wouldn't say helping people feel things because nobody needs help with that but uh but you know like sharing their stories and then uh uh, spiking people's imagination and um and really like bringing their narratives to the forefront of uh and top of mind for these people right so i think uh 
the fact that you've had this background and that you're focused on Web3 right now, it makes you the perfect guest for uh, for the episode, right? And I think we're going to have an amazing conversation. And uh, I, I would love to dive into the, 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 the main topic that we're going to be talking about today, which is the role of brands in distribution of technology and their responsibility, right? Which is an amazing topic to talk about because uh, I definitely believe, and I actually did a post about that, I think it was yesterday on LinkedIn, because I genuinely believe that uh, Web2 companies are going to be a lot more important in fostering the adoption of web3 than actual web3 companies because because of a lot of factors right and um and i think you know uh, uh given this context and uh and, and and also given like the opinion that i've shared there's also the responsibility part right and i've had this conversation before with uh, lois rosenberg which was one of my previous guests about how important it is to have guardrails in place when it comes to metaverse advertising right so let's just jump right in like uh as we've discussed before marketing spend is the greatest weapon there is to distribute technology more evenly right and and um, uh, marketers are always willing to sub subsidize the reach. Um, and so, like, uh, given this context, right, um, the, 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 the past, like the, the, the history of social media, this, the history of advertising has showed us both like the dangers, but also the benefits of like uh, social media and running ads. So given this context, I would love to kickstart the conversation uh, with you. Uh, asking, is that going to take the shape of ads? The distribution of technology is going to, to to take the shape of ads, or maybe what is your point of view regarding like marketers using um, uh, ads, or maybe using marketing spend as a way to distribute this technology? I think ads continue to take new shape. So I think it's it, it, will they take the shape of ads? Uh, They'll probably take the shape of ads the way we know them today, but they'll also probably take the shape of, of um, formats that, that we've never seen and haven't imagined um, and, and ways of connecting with people that are different than what we do today. Uh, the, 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 the point isn't, is it an ad or is it not an ad? Because we're going to get more and more create marketing is going to get more and more creative about the way they connect with people and, and what they actually do in the formats and, and the way they fit with people's lives. But, but if we look at this and we kind of progress across the, the history of, of marketing in its simplest, and we'll dumb this way down and simplify this way down, right? But ultimately, what, what you wound up with was kind of static messaging that people could ignore, then messaging that would interrupt people and and still just broadcast at them and talk at them. Hopefully you connected. Hopefully you connected. Then then as you got a little bit more sophisticated, we've gotten into the ability to actually personalize and and talk to people with a general segment, right? I know roughly a little bit about you, so I'm a bit more on target. Then you get to this idea that actually we're moving towards the idea that no, I can I can talk talk to you because I know it's you, and we can talk to you as a segment of one. But I think what what this does is it says actually I can put you into a world and a context. Where, where you can talk back to me, where you are the protagonist and you can choose the action and you can decide how you want to engage. And I'm going to release a little bit of that power. But at the same time, um, what, what, these, what this format lets, lets marketers do is 
maintain the shape and the direction, right? So, so my brand is going to be a part of this conversation. You're going to participate and help to shape that direction. And it's going to be a much more equal conversation. That's a really interesting, that's a really interesting prospect to me, but, but you can see how it, it's, it, it's, it's just a continued evolution of, of a path that we've been traveling down as marketers for quite some time. Yeah, I definitely think it's an interesting concept of like uh, allowing people to participate in advertising, let's say, or maybe in even marketing experiences if you want to be a little more broad. Um, I, I agree with you in the sense of like, uh, we don't know if uh, that's going to take the shape of ads. Like, we don't know yet. I generally believe so but like we uh, the fact is we don't know yet but i love the idea of like allowing uh, consumers to participate in a conversation with the brand but uh, not only that but also at the same time having a a, a lot an immersive experience you know an experience that is a lot more immersive than the format that we uh, are used to that was developed throughout the years not only uh in social media but also like taking it back to television and radio and uh, maybe, maybe even potentially like news paper and billboards like um it's uh if you think about it uh, and and that's an interesting concept is a unilateral kind of communication right it's the brand talking at you and um and if you want to interact with it it's fine but if not you know like it doesn't matter you know like other people will and so in that sense i love this concept you know of like having a conversation We, we, we have to remember, right? Like if you look at social media, social media created um, influencers, social media uh, created a bunch of concepts, but not everybody wants to be a part of that. Some people still just, just want to buy a good quality product and they don't really want to engage. And we're going to see exactly the same thing, right? One thing doesn't replace the other and not everybody wants to fit into one specific behavior type. So what Web3 is going to do, if we think about it as, you know what, you can be uh, a part owner or you can have a voice in a DAO or you can be participating through some kind of token or you can go into a branded world. It, there'll be a lot of different options. The canvas for creativity is getting broader and broader and broader. That's amazing. But at the same time, if you think that as that canvas gets broader, everybody's going to want to go to one place, they won't. Some people are going to behave differently. And, and what this allows us to do is start giving people more choice as to how they want to engage, whether they want to receive, whether they want to lean in. And, and there's a moment when we want to do both. I mean, honestly, we've all been there where it's like, I don't, I don't want to lean in. I just want to lean back and let you talk to me. And that's fine. And uh, like, that's, that's the kind of cinema experience and it's brilliant. Um, I, I wouldn't want to give that up for the world, but then there are the other moments where, where it's, you know what? Cool. Give me something and let make it a choose your own adventure and I can go through things and this can be fun and I can, I can walk away from it and come back and continue my adventure. And that's amazing that you've done that for me. Definitely. Uh, I was just like one of the the the, the uh, episodes that I've recorded previously was focused on the next level of entertainment for Disney, right? And uh, one of the things that we were talking about and kind of teasing the imagination of listeners was that we believe that Disney is going to enable people to be at the forefront or maybe at the core of the Disney stories. So actually being able to be a character. So if you think about it, uh, like uh, if you take that perspective into uh, branded experiences or maybe even advertising, 
um, it gets a lot more interesting, right? And I think that's exactly where your concept makes total sense. And I love that. I, I absolutely love that. I don't know that you'll... I, I like the idea that you can be a character. I don't know that you will. But even if, you, even if we don't get that far, even if all it is, is my kids can, can walk into uh, Harry Potter's room and read his diary, like pull his diary off a shelf and read his diary. Yes. Does that mean Disney needs to create a whole lot more or this isn't Disney that's Warner brothers, but, but does that mean there's a whole lot more content required to create the richness of that backstory? Absolutely. But can you imagine how many people would dive in and want to explore that world and, and see all the different branches of where it goes and, 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 I, I just look at, at it and, and it takes the model that entertainment has to the point you just made, the model of we're actually going to find one franchise and we're going to find sequels and we're going to build on them and build on them and build on them because it's it's a safe bet. Um, and, but what it does, is it says we're going to do that, but now we're going to create much more depth and richness and all these different branches and it gives you a whole lot of ways you can go with it. Um, I, I think it's, I think it'll be amazing. If, if, if we just need to, to train AI to be like train GPT-3 to write Harry Potter's diary for us. And in that way, you've got the whole thing done. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And uh, as you said, like it's endless possibilities, especially when you start to combine the technologies that are coming out. So, um, so I'm definitely, you know, definitely very excited to, to, to imagine this future, right? But if you think about the current model that we've been living in the past few years, which is, uh, you know, social media, the social media age and uh, brands uh, willing to spend on ads on social media, creating these social media experiences, which was, you know, somewhat it was fun, you know, like there were some really cool campaigns being created, some really cool marketing stunts, but also it brought a lot of problems, right? So there's this whole concern around advertising and branded content, I think in general, right? Especially given given the platforms that are going to exist in the future. Uh, also, given the fact that, you know, uh, Meta is probably going to be one of the biggest players in the Metaverse in the upcoming future. So that that definitely like this conversation brings a lot of concerns for a lot of people. So, um, you know, considering this context, do you think advertising uh, like uh, we've said we've discussed the fact that you know it's definitely going to change it's going to be a different thing but do you think that the concept of advertising is going to go away and also at the same time like do you think um the the vision that social media is going to portray in the near future you know social media being turned into metaverse um do you think you know people are going to have the same concerns and if so like how can brands address these things so, so I think I think it's really easy to look backwards and and, and point fingers, but I, I think we have to remember all the good that's actually come out of these technologies. You've got billions of people connected uh, in ways that they're more informed, uh, can be more educated. Um, th this is a hugely positive force for the world. If we're really, I mean, I, I'm an optimist at heart, but the way I see it. This is a hugely positive force for the world. And are there issues? There's issues with everything, of course. And, and the objective in the world should be to not re, uh, to, to not recreate uh, mistakes from the past, right? But but that doesn't that doesn't mean that we look at this and we want to to tear up the past because there's a huge amount of good that's come from it. And if I look at this, the ability to to connect people 
and 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 do that in ways where people can walk in each other's shoes, where people can experience empathy. I think that when you look at VR and these sorts of technologies, they have the potential to be the greatest providers of empathy that that we can imagine. And is that what they are today? Probably not. But is that the potential? I like to believe it is. And and so I see these as as hugely positive forces. Um, does advertising play a role in that? Well, well, of course it does. Um, is it the format? I've already said I don't know. Like, like I'm not going to talk about formats because because I just don't know. But but what I what I do know is that ultimately, when you're when you're a brand and you come up with an amazingly cool idea, what are you going to do? Will you want to put that amazingly cool idea into the hands of as many people as possible? And that to date, advertising has been uh, a great way to help finance the growth and the reach and the extension of those technologies. And and I believe that that probably remains the case because brands want their messaging to reach a broader and broader audience. And 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 so I believe that that remains. Um in what format who knows. Will there be ads that are very familiar? 100%. I'm absolutely certain that we will have formats that are very familiar to us, just in a slightly different place. Will there be will there be new formats? I, I look I think so. I think if you look at Roblox right now and you go, well what is Roblox? And you look at the kind of branded worlds that people are putting together. What is that if it's not an ad? I mean, it the, it is an ad. It's just an ad that you choose to go to, you choose to visit. But what's the brand really doing? They're taking their values, they're taking their product, and they're making them interactive in, in a format that you can um, engage with before you ever buy the product. Like that's the best kind of ad there is. You can engage with the product and the brand's values before you've even bought the product. If that's not influencing your decision process, then then what's it doing? So 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 I, I guess I have a fairly broad definition of what I think an ad is. But but to me, these are the formats that I find super exciting because because they allow people to form a whole different kind of memory structure, and they also allow people to to feel like the reward system that exists between them. And the brands that they engage with can can be much more um, complementary to, to 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 what a person's actually looking for. No, I, I definitely love your definition of like what an advertising is in the metaverse because I completely agree with that. I think Roblox is doing an amazing job by creating branding experiences in the metaverse because the fact is like uh, the users, the target audience, they're enjoying it and that's what counts, you know? And so for example, I, uh, I did uh, enter into Roblox, uh, like every now and then I like to enter into Roblox to see the branded experiences, right? And so for example, I've seen the branded experience created by Vans, which I think they completely nailed it because it allows me to ride a skate in the metaverse. And it really resembled me of like uh, the Tony Hawk game for PlayStation 1. Back then, you know, like when Tony Hawk was released, he was all the rage, you know, like I remember me and my friends, we would get together to see who could do the most tricks in the in the skateboard. And so I think in that sense, you know, the, the van space was really genius. And at the same time, you get to purchase like uh, vans items, like the shoes and the, 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 the skateboards themselves, you know, like you get to buy all of that stuff and customize your avatar with it. And, you know, all in all, that's an ad. You know, it's just a different type of ad, you know, like back then we would have the, as I said, like taking back to the 
the the the early formats of advertising in the radio, in the newspaper, and um, sales letters, you know, like billboards. Like you would get to see that, and you like you would just get to see it, and, and it, like you know, uh, it was a different experience. But now you are inside of the ad, you know, one way yeah. or another. Yeah, it, it's 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 brand building in a, in a very pure form. Definitely. And so I think this takes me to my next question, which would be like, what do you mean to do that more responsibly? Right. Uh, how, what does, what does that look like for a brand? What do you think? I, th I think this is the hardest question to answer because it's very easy to say, you know what, we need to be responsible about this. Um, I guarantee you that along the way, we're going to take some missteps. Because, I mean, in, in the past, no one has said, oh, we, I shouldn't say no one has said, but for the most part, people haven't gone out to try to, to do things wrong, right? It, 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 people, that's, that's not the nature, that's, that's, that's for the most part, I, again, I'm an optimist. I don't think that that's, that, that's, that that's the nature. This isn't, let's try to do things wrong. It, you, you build in a direction and then you recognize the consequences and you try to fix some of those things. And ideally, we can have some foresight when it comes to such a major shift in technology and we can be as responsible as we as, as possible. And in that sense, what does it mean? Well, it means respecting data privacy. And, and there's probably a lot of regulation that's going to need to be thought about and a lot of guidelines that need to be thought about for, for that. Um, it, it means recognizing that I mean, we're talking about decentralized and open technologies in many circumstances. And, and so it mean, that allows a lot of freedom. And, and so in some ways, that means just because you can do something as a brand doesn't mean you should do something as a brand, right? It's, it's not about how far can I push this and what can I scrape and, and how do I get all that information? It's about, well, is that information that the, that the, that the, that the citizen, that the person would actually want to share with me. And if they probably want to keep it hidden from you, you, you probably shouldn't go try to find it. Like this is, we're, we're moving to, to, to that kind of, uh, that kind of, that kind of area. But at the same time, you know, brands need to look after themselves as well. So we're going to be dealing with brand IP issues. We're going to be dealing with diversity and inclusion issues. Uh, these are, these are massive challenges that we have that don't, have simple answers you you talk to you, you you talk to people you look at the amount of um creators the amount of artists the the, the size of, of of the community and you look at kind of the disparity between men and women there's a, there's a lot of work to be done here and and i'm a big believer in one thing the the, the best work and the work that i'm most proud of in my life has typically come out of me learning something that came beyond my own personal perspective. So, so I genuinely think that we'll get to a better place if people share lots of different perspectives and that, that and if we get really diverse thought coming into this, that's, that's how we get there. And, and brands need to, to, and, and marketers need to open themselves up to, to those diverse thoughts. For the most part, I think that's their intention. Um, so, so I think the, the intention starts in a good place, but how you do that is sometimes harder than, uh, than we wish it would be. 
Yeah, definitely. Because um, I think it's more important than ever to have these kinds of conversations. And for example, uh, as I said, like the other day, I interviewed uh, Lois Rosenberg and we talked about specifically metaverse advertising and the guardrails that need to be in place for metaverse advertising to work. Because the fact is, like, um, we are coming from... Uh, you know, the day and age of social media where like there's a lot of discomfort around social media, around uh, user, you know, data privacy and, you know, all that stuff. And so um, and it's it's funny if you think about like the fact that some of the recent campaigns by Apple around the iPhone were focused on uh, user data privacy and the fact that they are trying to show the users that they can trust Apple in order to keep their data. And so if you if you think about how absurd that is you know like and and the fact that we're coming from that you know and uh and the next step is you know as you said like we're focusing on decentralization you know uh users becoming more cautious about how they share their data with brands and companies and so this is definitely a needed discussion right there there absolutely need to be guardrails in place and so for example you know building structures uh that actually succeed by respecting people's privacy, right? I, I, I think that that's, that that's the most important thing, right? If we look at this, I think that, that there are, uh, if we if we are creative and if we are smart, we can probably find ways of doing this where, where scale comes for, by, by building into a, a privacy-centric mechanism. I think, I think that's, that that's fantastic. That said, I think we also need to make sure that that, that we understand that that not everybody wants to be the custodian of their own data and have to manage it and all this. If we make managing your personal data a chore, that might even lead us to worse places than anything else. We, 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 there are very good reasons to, to, to trust people and to trust others with our own data. There is not one nirvana that, that it, it should all be um, decentralized and, and we shouldn't trust anyone. But I think to me, that doesn't sound like an ideal world. I want to be able to trust people. Um, but I want to know that the guardrails are in place, that, that there's a good reason for me to be able to trust them. But I think, I think that it's, it's really important that we let people make decisions about how much trust they actually have and that those decisions are variables, but that they're not arduous. Like if you told, my parents, that they had to manage all their own data, I guarantee you their answer would be, we're just not going to use this. Like, it's just too difficult and we're just not going to do it. And that is definitely not the solution, right? So, so where, where is the solution? It's, that's, it's that's not going to be a simple a, answer. Such a great point. Such a great point you just made there. Perfect example. Definitely. Thanks. <laughs> it's the easy answer. <laughs> Say your parents wouldn't use it. It's always the easy answer. The truth is my, my stepfather is probably one of the most like tech capable human beings there is, but it's always, a, my mother would definitely just choose not to use it. But, but my, my, <laughs> and that's, and that's, that's, a, that's a problem, right? That's the actual, that's part of the problem, right? Yeah. And, and and this is why I say it's like it's easy to sit there and, and, and run at a solution and say that but but for the most part we have to remember that, that a lot of the people who have built tech um, today historically etc 
it's the easiest person to build for is for yourself, right? So it's much harder to go and build for an audience that's completely foreign to you than it is to build for yourself. So the first use cases tend to be uh, for a similar demographic to yourself. But 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 we have a really large aging population, and and this has the ability. We've seen. We've seen use cases and we've seen case studies from from people using using these types of technologies to help loneliness in old people, and 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 these sorts of things become very real. Um, I I just think that we need to make sure that we don't run at a solution calling it an ideal uh, without without recognizing that actually some of the things we do today have some real value. That's such a great point. Like um, I've never, I've never considered, and that's uh, that's why I think it's such a great point because I've personally never considered that managing my data could be a chore. You know, like it could be uh, a hassle. You know, and it could definitely, it, it could definitely, I can clearly see that becoming a true hassle. You know, like everywhere I go, I have to grant uh, whoever that is, you know, like whoever company that is a hundred different permissions in order to use my data. So it's just easier to say accept all or decline all, you know, and if I decline all, I don't have access to the experience, you know, like so that's that's going to definitely going to be a problem. Yeah, th those those are the issues that I think are going to be some of the hardest things to work through. Because, because if you think about how much data there is about you in the world right now, and we just say, I'm going to give all of that to you, and you're going to have to permission it to everybody, you're, as you say, you're quickly going to find the shortcut of accept all, decline all, and, and, and that's far from optimal. No doubt. And uh, one thing that we've discussed, you know, uh, in our previous conversation that I thought it was really interesting was uh, companies uh, coming up with, uh, you know, loyalty programs, for example, you know, as a way to harvest user data while still, you know, providing them with great experiences and also keeping them coming back, you know? So we've seen recently, for example, Starbucks being like one of the recent, like, uh, I want to say one of the top notch, you know, because based on what I've uh, researched about this specific case, I, I really didn't like that much, but like Starbucks is huge, right? So uh, there's, if there's definitely a company that can pull uh, such a thing off, it's definitely Starbucks. So uh, I, I was wondering, like, what do you think about that? You know, like, is it Starbucks, the next great loyalty program that will want to own our data or we want to harvest user data? Um, so, so what are your thoughts on that? I've just challenged the question because what makes you think that the next great loyalty program is going to harvest is going to harvest your data? You know, if you if you look at it and look at loyalty programs in a Web three space, uh, they'll have a, a a wallet address potentially, um, but but do they need to have your personal data? Do they need to have have your name, your contact details? Not necessarily. They don't necessarily need any of that. So is it about data harvesting? Or is it about creating um, more engaging ways and more rewarding ways for you to interact with a brand? I, I like to believe it's the latter. 
I like to believe that a wallet address will give them enough to be able to connect with you and offer you value and offer you rewards. I like to believe that they can uh, look at the interoperability of what those loyalty programs could actually be and how they can connect with other elements in order to potentially provide reward that go beyond their own program. Um, I think that becomes incredibly interesting and 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 if if I'm really honest is that Starbucks I have no idea but what I liked about Starbucks and what I think was was really what I, what I what I really liked reading was that their direction uh is their ambition is to open open that up and open it beyond just a, a closed environment but let it let it be interoperable with other environments I don't know when they'll get there but but just the fact that that's in their roadmap to me is is amazing for a company of that size to to consider right and i those are the kinds of things that i think become become really really interesting when we talk about where where loyalty programs go because it, it doesn't have to be about give me as much data as as you can it it, it becomes actually engage with me in this way and you're going to get this kind of reward and what we can do is create a structure where there's lots of different models for engagement you've got if if you've got the model for engagement of i buy and i get a reward you've got the model for engagement of maybe a dao type structure where actually i want to contribute and i want to talk to you about product and i want to help you with this and i want to be i want to be, you know you've got all these different models for engagement that you can start to play with that to me is is really interesting. I have no idea what the what the model of the future is really going to look like. I've I've written about it a lot. I've got theories on on what it'll be, but but I'm guaranteeing that I'm guaranteed that I'm going to be super surprised by what works and what doesn't. The stuff that I think is a no-brainer, it's probably going to fail. The stuff that I go that doesn't have a chance, it's probably going to take off. The, these are the fun parts about technology and innovation is is putting a theory te together on what's going to work testing it and, and learning from it and the fact that we're not always right um to me to me that's the fun and i i, I shouldn't I say that i should i should say that i know exactly where it's going to go, but, 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 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no but but i completely agree with you because nobody has a crystal ball right in order to predict the future but there's definitely educated guests that we can uh that we can do uh, regarding the future based on the stuff that we're, we're seeing working now and also like based on the behavior of the consumers that is changing based on you know recent happenings or maybe uh, stuff that happened in the past few years like the social media one that we mentioned and so it, when you take all of that together it makes total sense that companies are gonna come with uh, not loyalty programs but like uh, I guess I can call it engagement programs right of stuff and I yeah. love the, the the different models that you have mentioned there I love uh, like how you you really tease well, my imagination there for a second because like you know each company is gonna figure out their you know a different way to allow their customers to engage in exchange for data or maybe in exchange for something else or maybe just as a way to get them closer to the brand but there's definitely i completely most, agree with you most loyalty programs have nothing to do with loyalty right you, you sign up because there's an incentive because there's a perk because you get some points at the end of the day and 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 probably you engage with them i don't know a, a handful of times a year but but not very many does that is that really about loyalty I, I would argue no. Um, 
it, is it a is it a way of of capturing some kind of relationship? Yeah, I think that that when you talk about being able to create more modern ways to engage with the brand and and, and engage with the brand in ways that go beyond just purchase the product right but be able to talk about the product be able to input into its roadmap its development how it fits within your daily life and this will mean different things for different kinds of companies right but but when you think about that that's real loyalty like if i can talk to you and if i can be a part of something i'm probably going to be more loyal than and than uh than i would if i uh get some stamps on a card five times a year um, you get the idea. So, so I, th- I think to me, we're moving in a direction where, where we can kind of get, um, move, move to what I, th- I think real loyalty, what, what could engender real loyalty, which is, which is, which is valued engagements. And, and one thing that you mentioned that I thought it was extremely interesting, and I truly hope it becomes like a, a, a thing in the future, is like uh, some programs are, some programs are going to be uh, willing to create kind of an open loyalty slash engagement program, right? Where you don't have to necessarily engage with the same like brand every time so like think about airlines for example right i don't think anybody chooses the flights that they want to take based on the miles that you're going to get out of it like oh no i want to i want to focus on this one because they already have some miles on this one typically like you choose the one that first of all has the better price and second of all it's going to give you the most out of the the money that you have invested right and then figure out a way to transport the miles from one program to another which isn't always possible but i think that's the thing right like i think um i've talked many times about like how i believe web3 is going to be like a customer centric culture where like brands are actually going to have to do stuff that the customer cares about and keeps them engaged and i think that's one of the things right there like um enabling open engagement programs right where you get to exchange the benefits and the rewards and not having to be tied up to a single uh program or maybe to a single brand but like the stuff that you offer them is gonna is is exactly what's gonna make them stay right i i like to think that that's the direction we can move in um i also like to think that brands already try to give people things that they care about but but you 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 can only do that with the tools that you have right i think i think the intention from a brand perspective is already there uh i just think that you're limited by the tools that you have. And if we can offer better tools to, to better understand and offer more variability of what people actually want, then great, we can solve some problems. But this is this is about, uh, to me, it's it's Web3 offers better tools. That's, that's, that's where I, I like to believe that we have the advantage. No doubt. I always, I always urge people to think about Web3 as a, a set of tools or maybe as a tech stack, you know, and not necessarily as, you know, NFTs or maybe not necessarily as just a metaverse. You know, it's actually a set of tools that brands are going to be able to use in creative ways in order to keep their customers engaged, right? So given this entire context, um, like, do you think that's going to happen over the next, I don't know, like 24 months, for example? Like, uh, because you gave, like in our previous conversation, you gave the example of the credit card, right? How it took like yeah. 25 to 30 years 
uh, to evolve from passing to touching, right? And so, um, and how that a user experience was not so great. And so, like, uh, do, do you think it's going to happen? Are we going to be able to fix it in tw in 24 months? Or what is your perspective on this? I, I don't like to call timelines, but I will say that, that tech is advancing faster than ever. Adoption of new technologies is happening faster than ever. Um, and and so, yeah, the, the, is it 24 months? Is it 36 months? Uh, is it 48? I, I don't know. I, I, I genuinely don't. But I do think that where we get to is... Uh, there are some really big problems that we will see addressed reasonably quickly um and and those are around uh what does data portability look like what does identity look like uh how do we interact with wallets and make them safer and make them easier to use and make the user experience better and i think when we solve those things we can see things take off and we can see we can see rapid scaling of the of 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 what would be tokenized benefits right um i think that, that when you look at that 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 happens fairly fairly well and fairly quickly i think the barriers to that are legislation um because so long as people have to guess as to what the standard's going to be um I, i'm not sure we move fast enough i think in this case legislation has the potential to be a real accelerant um and and so so i think it's a good thing it'll give people guidelines they'll know how to paint within the lines and and that'll give everyone the confidence to kind of say okay this is a, this is somewhere where we want to invest because we know that our investment isn't going to be for naught um i think i think that's that's one side i think on the other side uh i think that the timelines are harder to predict so when we talk about metaverse Uh, and when we talk about that side of things, you know, how quickly do we get to the point where there's glasses that give you uh, an AR overlay? I have, I mean, there are some pretty big challenges to to, to overcome. And and I've heard people say that we'll get to that form factor within, within five years. I've heard other people say 10. I am not the expert on it. I look at it and I say, I know, I know what I want, right? As a user, What I would want is a pair of glasses that don't weigh more than the glasses you have on right now, uh, that I have the ability to turn off so I just see the world as it is and I don't have to have any additional information, but that, that through some kind of biometric signal or, or basic, basic human signal, I can trigger in order to get an overlay of additional information, right? But I want to I be in control. I don't want things being pushed at me all the time. I know I know that that's what I want. How quick do we get there? I am not the uh, technologist that knows how quick you can shrink all that stuff down and and make that work. Like no idea. I'm super excited for it though. I think it's I think it'll be cool when you can when you can get to that. But I think that that, that you know we're a ways away still. Yeah, definitely. And I think that the adoption of these technologies also counts in a way. And, uh, you know, uh, linking it to some of the stuff that we were talking about uh, earlier in this episode, which is like how brands are going to be so important in creating the adoption of these technologies, right? Like, I think, you know, uh, it wraps up the conversation perfectly because I definitely agree. You know, it's it, it is the tech. It, there's the legislation as well, for sure, you know, but there's also like the, the adoption. 
especially given the fact that um this is this is some of the stuff that you know i've posted about already like if you come to a regular person nowadays you know and you talk about nfts or, or you ask their opinion about what is what is an nft or maybe what do you think about nfts or maybe what do you think about the metaverse odds are that they don't know what you're talking about and if they do odds are that they already have their own you know preconception about whatever it is that you're trying to sell them and uh, odds are that you know their preconception is negative around that so if you take nfts for example like a lot of people think nfts are scams you know because you a lot know, of them are yeah <laughs> and <laughs> and so like you know and and and, and can you blame them no like and i think that's also going to be another challenge you know of overcoming all of these preconceptions so if you think about we were talking about the link between social media and the metaverse a lot of people generally believe that metaverse is going to be dangerous because of all of the issues that we've had in the past with, with social media it only makes sense that people are concerned about the metaverse whereas an environment that you are more immersed in a virtual technology and companies could potentially have more access to more data about you yeah they can there there is the potential to wind up with more data about people but but i i i actually think that that when we talk about keeping people safe and in in, in environments i think that a lot of the big companies have learned a lot of lessons i think that a lot of the big social media companies have uh, really active engagement on what they can do and what they should do in that space Again, I'm an optimist, but 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 I like to believe that uh, that that in, in that sense, there's there's no perfect answer. But but everybody's trying to build something here that that's actually going to be good for the end user. I genuinely I have to believe that. Otherwise otherwise maybe I won't enjoy the tech as much and enjoy this as much. But I genuinely believe that that there's nobody out there who's building something that they don't genuinely believe is going to solve a real problem help people and and where they're where they're genuinely concerned with how do i protect people in in an environment and i don't put them their data their mental health at risk right that's that's not the objective here i i don't think that that's the objective and will there be mistakes uh sure i guarantee you there will will there be will there but but you just have to look at every technology and there's always there's always some challenges so so i, I have to be the optimist um as as far as that goes and, and maybe maybe i'm wrong about some of it but but that's that's what i believe i i think that, that in that sense you know the big tech companies they've learned a lot of lessons and actually they've got to be allies in this and and i think that their intentions are the right ones definitely especially because uh technology is an, an inherently bad or good you know it's a tool and um we choose how to use it right and so i think uh for our last question for us to really wrap it up given this entire context and uh you kind of tapped into this already i think like what are what are the what are going to be or maybe what are the big game changers of the entire space so for example you mentioned uh you know uh virtual reality goggles or augmented reality goggles that are going to weigh as same as the the ones that i'm wearing right now the glasses that i'm wearing 
wearing right now and this gets me thinking about for example the apple uh device that is going to come out in the next year that is rumored to come out in the next year right uh it's supposed to be a big game changer but from your perspective what are the big game changers or maybe what are going to be the big game changers uh, look I, i i'm sure i'll be surprised and if someone comes out with those goggles they, they might be the, the the game changer or glasses they might be a, a huge game changer I, i don't i don't see that as the the first game changer i think i think realistically i think uh tokenized identity and being able to to look at what kind of identity products we can manage and and looking at elements like Con just being able to connect wallet in order to in order to in order to manage personal security and personal identity when when those types of um engagements become the norm and when they become uh easy to use where there is enough data that's there to make them valuable i think that becomes a, a huge game changer for everyone for me it, it's it's portability and and self-sovereign identity is is going to be the biggest game changer that, that we can imagine it allows um you to to focus to me the, the issue with it is if we talk about self-sovereign identity is it allows the developers it allows brands it allows people to think about technology from the perspective of i'm going to build in a way where i'm just purely focused on delivering the most value I can to you. I don't have to start from the perspective of I'm going to build in the way where I can build an audience and it's going to be smaller and I how do I build that audience? Because guess what? You can you can come and everyone can show up and they'll bring all their data with them and it can be a massive audience from day one. So you build for value and that value that you create for people is going to be a massive magnet as opposed to building for um for 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 kind of a slower scaling process that exists I, i think that that to me is going to be a paradigm shift in terms of of how people actually think about it and and think about engagement so for me that's that's the biggest game changer i don't know when that happens um but uh but but i believe that's where we're headed i love this perspective and i definitely agree like i think it's going to take a while because the concept i think it's going to be a, a little hard for people to grasp especially people that are outside of like the web3 realm right because uh if you if you think about you know at web3 avid users uh there's also there there's already a lot of people talking about for example soul bound tokens or maybe some people like to call them human bound tokens right so so this concept is not new for 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 these people but i think uh you know uh thinking about the the population as a whole i think it's going to be it might be a a concept that is a little hard to sell but i definitely agree it has like a very big potential for sure yeah yeah i i think so i i think i think that i i don't know what the trigger is people like to talk and say it, it'll happen when all that technology is invisible i i don't i don't buy into that at all um it, it doesn't require invisibility most of the technology that, that you love is not invisible your mobile phone is not invisible uh electricity is not invisible technologies don't become invisible what they become is trusted and when they're trusted you can take them for granted and when you take them for granted you use them all the time and they become part of the fabric of life 
Invisibility is not what we're striving for. What we're actually striving for is trust. And, and to get to trust, we need to put the right guardrails in place. We need to put the right thought processes in place. We need to have the right legislation. We need to actually work together with startups, uh, people, uh, big companies, government. This is, this is where trust will get formed is, is through a collaborative approach to, to making these technologies, um, work for all of us. Yeah, a perfect way to wrap it up. It's about responsibility. And uh, yeah, I just, Justin, thank you very much, man. This was an amazing, amazing, amazing conversation. A lot of insights. I really, really, I personally really enjoyed it. Uh, I hope our listeners uh, enjoy as much as I did because it was just, you know, just a glimpse of the future for sure. And uh, and I love when these conversations really tease my imagination, right? And so once again, thank you very much for, for being with me in here today. And I was wondering, like, could you tell us a little bit about what are your future projects or maybe your next steps so we can uh, finish the conversation? Sure. Uh, I listen. My my role and what I love doing is is helping brands. So so I'm not going to talk about the projects that they have because that's not for me to say. But uh, but but I'll continue to work with brands to help them explore the space and uh and explore what they can do with technology from a from a personal front uh, i'll continue to write a lot in this space i write a newsletter which is called brand next um you can subscribe to that but it's brand as you'd expect it next with a with a three instead of an e right so uh so you got to do a web three thing and go brand next n3 xt um and 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 yeah so so if, if people want to hear what i think about that's that's probably the easiest place to find me Awesome. And, and, uh, I know you're very active on LinkedIn, right? Uh, so feel free to, feel free to, uh, yeah, to, to, to make an it's invite a, to our listeners, but also if there's any other social media that you'd like to talk about, feel free to do so. I wish I had the time to tweet more. I wish I had the time to be on social media. I don't, I admire the people who can make time for work and do all that. I'm terrible at it, but LinkedIn, I, uh, I do spend a lot of time there. Feel free to, uh, feel free to connect. And, uh, I love, I love chatting with people there. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, for, for those of you who want to follow Justin on LinkedIn and uh, and connect with him, your his name is going to be on the, on the episode, right? So you just have to find Justin Payton on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, Justin, once again, thank you very much, man. This was an amazing conversation. I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, I hope that our listeners uh, enjoyed as much as I did. So guys, for you to follow me, you already know it. It's Eli Santos on LinkedIn, E-L-Y space Santos and uh, yeah thank you very much everyone that listened to us today and I'll see you in the next episode